everyone. Welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. If you're returning, thank you for coming back. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan because most of us are just regular people who like the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason. And here we delve into those reasons. If you're like me, you've gotten some weird stares from friends and family in the past when you said you like horror movies. And it's time that the world knows that we're not all crazy. Some of us maybe, but not all. This week, I had a truly nerdy and amazing conversation with horror screenwriter, director, and critic Stephen Tronisek. He's so young, just 21 years old, but he's so knowledgeable about horror and filmmaking and script writing that I learned a ton, and I know you will too. His enthusiasm for the genre and everything he loves about it was as infectious as COVID-19. Is it too soon for that joke? And, well, anyway, I hope that comes across in this episode. He's a big fan of body horror, using horror as a means for catharsis, and obviously he's a fan of David Cronenberg. We also talked about directors like Jennifer Kent, Clive Barker, and Mary Harron, to name a few, and also the creepy Czech cartoons that his dad showed him as a kid that piqued his interest in the genre. One last thing before we get into this episode, if you haven't taken a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, I would be so incredibly grateful if you did. It really helps people find the show. Email me a screenshot after so I can personally thank you. I think that's enough rambling for me, so let's get into this episode with Steven Tronchek. Hey Steven, how are you? I'm wonderful. I'm excited to talk about some horror movies. Yay! Thanks for being here. Do you want to start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, sure. So uh, I'm 21 years old. I grew up in St. Louis. I uh, I love films. I started getting to films in the li- in like middle school or so, and I started doing film criticism in my junior year of high school, and it just led me to keep writing scripts and writing film criticism and. You know, if there's one genre that I really, really gravitated towards, it was horror. And um, that's what I typically write, actually. I typically write horror script, um, one of which was a runner up in the first look, script pipeline first look project this year. Um, so, and I'm, I'm just excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about some horror movies. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so, first things first, what's your favorite scary movie? My favorite scary movie is a boring choice for this because it's The Shining. I mean, The Shining is unbeatable. Um, It sneaks into your subconscious in such a way. I saw it at midnight once, you know, big screen. And uh, I remember my brother was sitting next to me and he's like, doesn't always do the best at midnight shows. He goes to sleep, kind of. And then... uh, Jack Nicholson comes out with an axe, kills a guy. He just wakes up like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> um, same thing happened to him during Fire Walk With Me. There was a midnight show and there's some really loud screaming at the ending of that movie. And um, <laughs> yeah, he just, it, it was probably more entertaining to watch him freak the fuck out than to actually see the movies <laughs> at midnight. But um, yeah, The Shining and, you know, let's throw in Fire Walk With Me there. I love Fire Walk With Me so much. I've never even heard of that one. What oh, is it about? It's the Twin Peaks movie. Oh, see, I'm not Twin a Twin Peaks, Peaks fire person. Walk with me. Oh, I've, man. Yeah, I don't know. I've never been able to get into that show and movie. And- would, um, speaking of Twin Peaks, would, would like Mulholland Drive count? I love Mulholland Drive. I mean, yeah, sure it counts. I, I also haven't seen that one, but uh, yeah, I would think that counts. So mm-hmm. apologies for not having seen your, your second oh, no. movie. I've seen The Shining though. Not a huge fan, but I know that everyone usually loves it. And I totally respect your love for it, especially well, as a filmmaker. What are you typically into? Um, 
My favorites, I would say, are Scream, The Ring, and Cloverfield. Now, those those are excellent films. Like Scream, of course, you know, you can go down the whole dog and pony show about postmodernism and how that kind of works with Scream. But The Ring is a great choice. You know, I, The Ring is one of those rare remakes that I actually kind of like more than the original. I really love, um, I really love, I forget what the original director, Ringu, what his name is. I love the J-horror stuff from that period of time. I've actually been watching a lot of J-horror recently. And something that I realized in J-horror is that sometimes, you know, things get a little complex to the point wherever the story kind of gets away from you. Um, Dark Water, which is done by the same guy who did Ringu, um, feels very much that way. The story kind of gets away from him as some of the more mythical, like mystical or supernatural elements start getting into the story. Um, yet recently though, I, I would say the best J-horror film I've seen recently is probably One Missed Call though, uh, which really by virtue of Takashi Miike being just a great workman director, he just goes, he just blows through that movie. <laughs> um, and it is a blast. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, I haven't watched that yet. Um, maybe I'll do that tonight. I was planning on watching The Wolf of Snow Hollow, but oh. maybe, I'll, maybe I'll change things up. I haven't checked that out. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I wasn't huge on Jim Cummings' first film, but I'm looking forward to seeing any Robert Forster performance ever. <laughs> um, what was his first film? Uh, that's Thunder Road. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and his most recent film, The Beta Test, just sold to IFC Films for North American distribution. So good for him. Awesome. Yeah, good for him. Uh, so why don't you tell me, how did you first fall in love with the horror genre? So I mentioned at the front end of this, well, actually, I mentioned whenever we were talking about things off screen. Um, so my dad is from Czech Republic, if you couldn't tell from my wonderful last name. And he used to show us these creepy fucking cartoons whenever we were kids. And, you know, there's, you know, you eventually develop this really like comforting feeling around this creepy shit, like <laughs> these like weird marionette things. But, um, you know, I, 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 of course there's that, but I think the main thing that would really have gotten me into horror is um, Neil Gaiman's Coraline, which my mother and I, we read that book whenever I was young and we went and saw the film and there's, there was just something so utterly cathartic about it. Like, and I, I think that horror movies are vibe movies once, like that's, that's what they are mostly. They're vibe movies, you know, we enjoy being sad. We enjoy being scared and get the catharsis of that. And Coraline is one of the most powerful vibe movies in the world like the fact that those kids are stuck in that alternate realm and they got no eyes and they gave up everything oh my god it's so fucking sad and i love it i just eat that shit up <laughs> but uh oh yes that's that's what got me into horror movies right there probably and uh and then you know uh i think it was really just an indefinite love of the ideas that came out of horror movies. Like I'm a body horror guy. I love body horror. You know, you're David Cronenberg's, you're Brian Usna's, you're fucking, uh, they, the, the ideas that are being captured there and like the internal becoming external, uh, that's everywhere in my writing. And it's 
everywhere in all these horror films that I love. And yeah, I mean, it's just so great. I love, it's great. <laughs> Amazing. I love your enthusiasm. Um, I have to say we have opposite tastes in horror because I hate body horror so much. So as you said before, you're a horror screenwriter, director, and critic. And um, I read online that your screenplay pieces was a quarter finalist in the launch million dollar screenplay competition, which is amazing because you're so young. Um, can you tell us what pieces is about and what inspired you to write it? So pieces is a film about a celebrity surgeon or more a renowned surgeon who um, following the death of his brother decides to start cutting pieces of himself off. Um, and it's what it's really about is the pieces like the psychological pieces that weigh us down and hold us down and how we create these narratives around ourselves to justify why we're making stupid fucking decisions. Um, and uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a melodrama, it's tragedy. Like that's, that's where I love my horror. Like, you know, uh, it's as blatant as you can possibly get. Oh, this guy needs to get rid of some psychological internal piece of himself, but he has through some means or another been convinced that the best way to fucking do that is to cut pieces of himself off. That's the whole crux of the movie. Um, and, you know, I, I just had fun with it. Like that's, it yeah yeah that's it that's pretty much it awesome sounds like it fits in very much to your love of body horror because i can't imagine mm -hmm. it being made without having a lot of body horror oh man i'm just like imagining if i ever get to make this thing i'm grabbing like the screaming mad georges or whatever and i'm pulling on these body horror ex like these uh prosthetic guys and we're gonna do some crazy <laughs> shit and it's gonna be awesome <laughs> that's amazing um so do you remember what horror movie it was that made the life light bulb go off in your head and be like yes I want to write scary movies um you know it, it I was at a critic screening um and this is kind of a horror movie but I mean I, I'd always really liked horror but I was at a critic screening of um a Yorgos Lanthimos film called The Killing of a Sacred Deer oh which yeah, is a yeah. wonderful <laughs> film well wonderful is a strong word but it is a disturbing as hell film and suddenly in the middle of watching it, you know, there's this thing that happens, a midpoint twist or so that happens. And suddenly in the middle of watching it, I was like, he's getting away with this. You realize that like, you don't, if, you, if you're telling a story this way, you don't actually have to explain why anything is happening. You just have to thematically connect everything. And suddenly it becomes magic. And I was like, oh shit he's getting away with this. That's fucking awesome. And so then I was like, okay, so with horror movies, not much needs to make sense. You know, you have fucking poltergeist and poltergeist, there's a ghost in the house and it's moving shit around. It's moving the kids around. And it's like, oh my God, that makes no sense. There's a ghost in the house. Yeah. But guess what? Thematically, that like whole, like, place is built on top of a burial ground that it shouldn't have built on it in the top of and now it opens up into this entire new thing and it builds this entire like rich tapestry of thematic depth because yeah there's a there's a ghost flying around but there's a reason and we can make it awesome and i mean i'm like okay so i love symbols in screenwriting I love, you know, I love magical realism. I love all that crap. And I'm like, okay, so the best genre that I can do that with 
while also getting that sad tragedy shit that I love so much, you know, from Coraline is horror. I'm going straight for it and it's going to be fucking awesome. (laughs) So cool. So I ask everyone this. So you seem mostly sane and you love horror movies. Right. Um, So why do you think that people who seem perfectly sane love this genre? I mean, okay. So I think art is for catharsis. And that's the main thing that it is for. I think art is for exploring situations that we wouldn't want to be in on screen in a safe environment. And I think that horror films are a great environment to do that in. You know, if if we're experiencing these violent actions, like none of us would want to get chased by this seven foot tall guy through the fucking woods carrying an ax or anything like that. But, you know, we can sit there and watch it and experience that and enjoy it from with a little bit of distance. And I think that's a constructive thing. And especially whenever you get into more psychological horror films or get into more experiences where we're talking about the human mind and how the human mind inflicts, you know, horrors upon us. I think horror films can be extremely constructive in teaching and learning about how people react to different things within the world because, okay, Admittedly, this is gonna like go down a bit of a political thing, but but I think the world is <laughs> fucked up. I think the world is horribly fucked up. I think everything in the United States has been built on a system that is built to pathologically and just hurt us. It is built to hurt us. And we are having trouble with that. And we all experience that. And we all need to go to the movies and experience something that's going to hurt us a little bit just to let go of some of it and that's it and you know that's why I write my horror films and that's what I kind of write horror films about where it's like we need we need that hurt to get through the day sometimes that's I I think that's the way that goes (laughs) I love it I love it that's such a good answer um so you've already said that you love um David Cronenberg who are your other Mm -hmm. favorite horror directors um, you know, I, I'm a really big fan of Clive Barker. Uh, I love the first Hellraiser. I think that's an excellent film. Um, you know, I, I think Mary Heron is underrated. I love American Psycho. And you know what? Screw anybody who says The Moth Diaries is bad. The Moth Diaries is good. Um, I think, you know, of course, you got the Murderer's Row, John Carpenter. You have um, George Romero, wonderful. Uh, freaking... Why am I forgetting is that William Friedkin with The Exorcist. Fulci's great. I mean, you know, I, I was in a class recently and my teacher was like, hey, this Fulci movie, he intentionally said that he didn't want it to mean anything. And I was like, that's not possible because all art means anything. And then I watched The Beyond and I was like, that didn't mean anything. And I <laughs> loved it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think... Uh, the, whoever made Alucarda makes great horror films. Um, Toby Hooper, you know, anybody who says that straight, that like 90s weird direct-to-video period was bad, go watch Spontaneous Combustion, listen to that beautiful music. The music is beautiful. Um, the uh, I think Mike Flanagan's doing great work right now. Um, Jennifer Kent, you know, Robert Eggers, Ari Aster's that new wave is fantastic for the most part. Oh, yeah. Um, I definitely love Jennifer Kent and Ari Aster and uh, Mike Flanagan. They're 
awesome. I just rewatched the Babadook um, over oh. Passover last weekend with some friends because, you know, of course, everyone rewatches the Babadook for Passover. Um, and it was just uh, every time, every time everyone who was watching it, who hadn't seen it was like, this kid is impossible. He is so annoying. I was like, just wait, it gets worse. It gets, gets worse. worse. It yeah. gets worse. There's bugs crawling out of the wall. It gets yeah. worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I watched The Nightingale, which I don't know if it's really horror, but that was such a hard movie to watch. Um, yeah, I mean, I saw The Nightingale. I was covering a film festival in Chicago two years ago, and I saw The Nightingale there. And I was pretty wrung out by that one. Um, it's It definitely has that, uh, that gnarly horror edge that Kent brought to the Babadook, but I mean, horrors of colonialism, that could, that, that's a, that's a good, yeah, <laughs> that's a good option there. A good category for that one. So have you seen Possessor? Did you like it? I have. Um, I think Brandon Cronenberg swims in a, the kiddie pool that his dad set up. Um, <laughs> that's, that's not such a great say, way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not to say that Brandon has made some bad movies. In fact, I think Antiviral and Possessor, if we're talking about the scale here, he's getting better. I think Antiviral is a mess, really. Um, I like ideas in it. I like imagery in it. I think it kind of breaks itself when it, once it hits the midpoint. I feel very similarly about Possessor where once it hits the midpoint, it kind of breaks itself. Possessor at the very least compared to Antiviral has some of the most compelling imagery I've seen in a horror film recently. Um, I think, you know, the melting faces is wonderful. I think that the sequence wherever she pulls the mask down over her face and you can kind of see like the, the face like <laughs> come into it, like break into her face as she takes control is wonderful. Um, I, I think, you know, it, it's, I don't think that the Cronenberg, the style that Cronenberg was going for, that David Cronenberg goes for, fits very well into the shaky cam negative space um, type of display that Brandon is going for, which that might on one hand be because the budget of the film is so small and you know it, you, you have to shoot really fast to get those practical effects all ready and stay in budget. But on the other hand, I just, it needs more gravitas. It needs more melodrama. Um, you know, in The Brood, you, you can see He's the grandfather, he's walking around the house before he gets attacked by the little children. And he sits down on this couch and like, I can smell that couch. I know what that couch smells like. I know what the world, that world is. But in Possessor, I just couldn't touch anything except Sean Bean's breaking teeth. That sucked. That was horrible. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it yet because of the whole body horror issue, but that mm -hmm. just sounds, that sounds gross. Unrelated to Possessor, we, you were talking about uh, the nightingale leaving you just feeling crappy. Did you see um, the dark and the wicked? You know, I haven't seen the dark and the wicked. Um, I it's it's on my list. I keep seeing that people that it really like goes overboard, and I'm kind of like, all right. When I'm I mean I'm usually in the mood to go overboard. It's just like it, I just haven't gotten there yet. We'll see. Uh, maybe I'll watch it tonight. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's streaming on Shutter now. Uh, what do you think is the best film of 2021 that you've watched so far? 
the best film of 2021. Um, unfortunately, I can't really name a, well, actually, I can name a horror movie here. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Um, so New York Film Festival had screenings of Ben Wheatley's In the Earth, uh, which is a very wonderful psychedelic return to like batshit crazy field in England shit that Ben Wheatley does. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it's the type of film that's going to be hit or miss for people because it really leans into the surrealism and the symbology near the ending. But uh, I, I had a good time with it. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. If I were to say like, technically it came out here in 2021, but it is a 2020 film, um, Rose Glass at St. Maude, hands down. That movie yeah. kills. That movie kills so hard. It is 83 minutes. How sexy is that? 83 minutes. And it churns like it puts all of the thematic setup for a lighter in the fucking sound design like that is a movie that knows what it's doing and it scared the shit out of me i jumped three times out of my seat i wanted to run it's fucked up yes i saw that you tweeted a couple days ago that you watched it and you thought it was amazing and i watched it last night for the first time uh-huh i did not find it scary at all oh and in fact God. if it was not for the score I think it could have been scored with like happy music and you would have been just like, oh, it's a girl who's trying oh, to find herself. No, I just, no. But I wasn't chest, scared ever. The chest cracking and the face. Ah, you I mean, know, open. I mean oh, yeah, but God. I don't know. What was the point of it? Do you know what the point of it was? Because I just did the not, of it I didn't understand was it. about that internal world, you know, that um, that with the way that, again, those narratives that we like give ourselves and how they affect the way that we look at the world and just how messed up that can get. It's, oh man, I, I had fun with it. I totally get like, not like kind of connecting with it. Cause I mean, not everybody connects with the same shit. Like yeah. everybody goes through the same can something. Everybody sees things different ways. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't mean to say that you shouldn't have enjoyed it. I was just oh, like, no. what was I missing? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, I didn't mean to suggest that as well. I mean, I film discourse is a is a like uh it's a hellfire it's a piece of shit like you know people going over and over and over each other but i i try to i try to not be an asshole about that yeah um <laughs> i've had people come on here and say before um you know i think there's so many different types of horror that there will be a type of horror for everyone to be a fan of so that everyone can be a horror fan but it just depends oh, I what type of horror movies it is I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your favorite subgenre? Well, body horror is certainly a besides favorite. body horror. Besides mm -hmm. body horror. Um, let me think here. So would 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 we go ahead and count um hammer as a subgenre? Or is that just like its own thing? Because I, I really dig some of those old 1950s and 60s, like Technicolor, Eastman color, like Christopher, um, Christopher Lee. What is it? What's the other guy? Peter Cushing films like Curse of Frankenstein or The Mummy, where it's it's just like you can just feel the the melodrama just oozing off the screen, and you just just enjoy, just sit back and enjoy it. Admittedly, you know, given that these films were made in the '60s, there's quite a bit of problematic, especially once you get to The Mummy, where it's like, ooh, that's that's bad, but um, it's pretty good. The stuff is pretty good, I think. Yeah. Yeah, de um, that's definitely a subgenre. I would. I, would I love say. ghosts too. I love 
ghost horror, um, specifically a lot of the stuff that has been done in J-horror, like, of course, One Miss Call has some fantastic ghost work, Dark Water, which I was talking about earlier, Ringu. Um, I, I just recently wrote a piece that I hope is going to be published soon about um, Juan the Grudge um, and Nicholas Pesh's 2020 grudge film, which I think is kind of underrated, honestly. I quite oh, enjoyed okay. it. okay. Defend it that. Is, it's a blast. And you know what? I don't understand the hate for it because it basically follows a very similar structure to the original grudge. They're just, they're just campfire stories. You know, it's the, you have a center ghost and you have some episodic stories surrounding the center ghost. Just roll with it. As long as the guy delivers the goods, then it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you seem pretty laid back. You're like, give me a ghost story and I'll be, I'll be happy. I mean, I, if, if I am having a particular bad, particularly bad day or a day whenever I need something lighter or something to engage with, I will typically put on a crappy horror movie or a horror movie that's said to be crappy because usually they're pretty good. I mean, that happened with spontaneous combustion that happened with the grudge where it's like, I do not have the energy to engage with this material the way that I would be engaging with something, but I need to put something on because the day's just rolling along and I gotta put something on. So put that on and you know, the horror aesthetic, it just reaches out to you and it's like, cool, we're good. We're ready to go. I'm like, yeah, awesome. Give me that sad shit. <laughs> um, some people would say we're crazy for liking that, but that's their, that's their issue. No, they're crazy. Yes. I have seen some J-horror and I don't feel like it's ever as scary as the, as the American remake. Mostly I'm thinking of like The Ring. And I recently watched The Uninvited, uh, mm -hmm. which is the remake of Tale of Two Sisters, which I didn't find scary Ooh. at all. Because I sort of guessed it, what was going on, like pretty early on. So when it right. came out, I was like, I was like, all right, cool. But um, why do you think, what do you, what do you think about that? Do you like the remakes or... Do I like the remakes? Typically, you know, typically I think that th there's a pacing to J-horror that is far better than most American horror, um, or at least most American remakes of J-horror. Like if you were to compare um, Jew on the Grudge and The Grudge from 2004, which is directed by the same guy, um, Takashi Shimizu, and one of them is the American version with the Sarah, with Sarah Michelle Geller, and one of them is the original. I would say that the American version is edited much faster. The cues are much more recognizable, um, and it's far less scary, honestly, and it's far less effective, I think. Um, I think the very deliberate pace of Juan and the very, you know, um, the very deliberate framing of the first Juan really does it good like uh those shots of the woman of the lead walking into the house and you just see the camera drift over and then you'll see the little boy just hiding somewhere by the stairs or something like that you know it's stuff like that where it's just they, they put consideration into this they want to build the atmosphere and build the mood um and you know something just came to me i remember i think another reason why i tend to like really like gravitate towards J-horror is that before I was ever into film or so, I was a big video game player. I enjoyed playing video games. And um, 
something that I would play or the old PlayStation Resident Evil games. I was huge, huge, huge on those tank controls, you know, Resident Evil, Resident Evil 2, played the shit out of Resident Evil 3, Nemesis. And it's, I don't know. I mean, I think the reason why I gravitated towards them is that while I was playing them, I would just get that dread inside and it would just shed all the regular dread away, which you can cut that part, but shed all the regular dread away. <laughs> um, you get that that dread into you and it's like, it's just cathartic and nice. And, you know, comparatively, I think that um, the J-Horror films that I've seen that do instill a great sense of dread, once I've seen the remakes, the remakes are just too formulaic. Um, I think there was a formula to those early 2000s J-horror remakes that, uh, or early 2000s horror in general, that just completely tears all of the personality out of, you know, out of these stories. Um, in particular, I think one of the finest films ever made is Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Pulse. And I don't like a lot of Kiyoshi Kurosawa's films. Like I'm, I'm not huge on Cure, but Pulse is a devastating film about, you know, depression and the, impo the impending internet age. And there's one of these, some wonderful videos online about it, but it's, um, and then the, the remake is just trash. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's just your screen gems thing. And uh, it just, it, it doesn't, yeah, it just doesn't hold a candle to it. Fair enough. Um, I have heard that Joan is way scarier than the 2004 grudge. So, but I like the 2004 grudge. Um, I think it might be that I like the faster pacing and editing. Mm -hmm. So that just might be me. I and watched Rainey's in it. That's awesome. Oh uh, yeah. If Ted Rainey shows up, the movie's probably pretty good. Like yeah. a what midnight meat train. He gets his eye botched out and just bam with the fucking, with the fucking meat cleaver or whatever it is. It's amazing. <laughs> Awesome. I have not seen Midnight Me Train, um, unsurprisingly. Oh man, that movie's awesome. It's like, it, it's definitely has like a lot of Clive Barker in there. Um, it's pretty, it's very well directed. I'm kind of surprised. I was kind of surprised when I saw it. So we're in the middle or hopefully end of the COVID-19 pandemic. It is April of 2021 right now. Um, last summer, an article came out saying that horror movie fans were handling lockdown than non-horror movie fans. Why do you think that is? We were handling it, handling it better than mm -hmm. non-horror lockdown fans. So, okay, I'm going to answer this in a way that's going to make me sound crazy. Um, <laughs> so I think a lot of horror fans kind of, they kind of, they kind of dance around the fact that horror uh, I think horror is extremely cathartic for people who uh, who experience, you know, a lot of intensity in normal day life because it is the the again that's the body horror. It's the internal, you know, idea becoming external. It's the um, uh, I think I, I wrote a screenplay that is specifically, you know, handling this dynamic of whenever um how 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 deeply connected to the um to the psyche the horror horror can be and specifically body horror can be how deeply connected to you know ideas of um 
of like self-harm and ideas of mental illness and depression and how, and specifically the script that I wrote was about what happens whenever some, you lean in too much and, you know, has to do with toxic fandom and how that all relates to that as well. And to be honest, I think horror fans deal with the pandemic better because we're introverts. We, uh, we are anxious with the real world most of the time. And so we stay in and we're okay with that. Um, and, you know, I, uh, yeah, I think that's the reason. It's probably a pretty good guess. I remember last year I was like, this is only going to last a month and I'll just stay in and I'll watch a bunch of movies. I guess it's kind of sad, but that's just what I do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I've realized that I'm like quite a homebody too. And I'm like, please no one invite me out to anything, but actually right. still invite me so I don't feel left out, but I'm just going to say no. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Have you watched any pandemic horror movies over the last year? Pandemic horror movies. I'm trying to think of like what what is uh, what would classify a pandemic horror movie. You know, I think Pulse feels a bit like a pandemic horror movie in that it's a film where um, kind of an external threat that like slowly starts emptying the streets or so and making things quieter. And like, it's it's a general subtextual horror that's like kind of floating inside of everybody rather than outside of everybody. So I'd count that. Um, I, I'll go for the easy one and just say Contagion. I mean, everybody watched Contagion whenever all of this first started and it's scary as hell and it's excellent. Um, so that definitely, I would say that definitely counts. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think I have seen like too many, like things that I would call pandemic horror movies. I mean, um, any zombie movie that is because of a, that's true. Because that's of a true. disease. I, I was pretty, I'm pretty, I was pretty well seen on zombie movies before the <laughs> pandemic started. So, I mean, it, you could kind of. There's of course the annual revisits of uh, Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead, um, those original Romero films, which are just brilliant. Um, I don't know if I've revisited 28 Days Later in a while, but I mean, that's worth it. That's yeah. a good one. Um, you know, working a bit in the screenwriting community, I have, what I have noticed is, uh, is the fact that people are starting to talk about, especially in the script reading community, uh, as in coverage community. Uh, I've, I've had quite a few conversations with uh, like-minded individuals who are like, I've read so many scripts where they mention COVID and I just want them to stop. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting that they're stop. already, it's really interesting that they're already like inserting that into their art. Well, I mean, I, to be completely honest, I think the best, like the best modern COVID horror movie to come out already came out before COVID and I'm still waiting on the next one and it's a quiet place and it's a good fucking movie. And I want the second one because I want to see Killian Murphy with a beard, ready to go, trying to kill everybody. And I want to see those monsters again. And um, I wonder if Charlotte Burns Christensen is shooting that because the first one looks incredible on 35. And I think the second one's that what we've seen already of it is incredible. Um, and Krasinski has proven to be a fairly good director. So that's nice. But um, yeah, I mean, I, and I, I just 
loved A Quiet Place. And I think A Quiet Place is a great example of a collective horror movie. I mean, how many stories? Yeah, I could probably get, like, if I had a quarter for every single time somebody told me, oh, in that movie, everybody shut up. Nobody wanted to eat their popcorn. I would have, like, 10 bucks at this point, like at least my, like my entire social circle told me, has told me everybody shut up during that movie. Nobody wanted to eat the popcorn. Somebody crunched too loud. Everybody just look at them and we're like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember that when I saw that in theaters, that was definitely a unique experience in such a mm-hmm. quiet movie. You love, you mentioned uh, loving scores of horror movies. Do you have a favorite score? Oh man, yes I do. And it is uh The Fly by Howard Shore, The Fly score. I mean, you you could basically throw a dart at any of the scores that Howard Shore has written for David Cronenberg and that is the best score in a horror movie right there. The Brood, oh my god, it's awesome. Scanners even better. The Fly, great. Just <laughs> anything. Uh, it's in, you know what it is? It's those strings, that loud melodrama where it's, you just, it, it, I mean, I think that the music of these horror films, the, the more that you play up the melodrama and the more that you can play up the magical realism, the more wholehearted and the more earnest you can get away with shit. Like, and that's those strings, as soon as you hear them, it's like somebody's like, has a bleeding heart. It's like, Kali Ma, let's fucking go. Uh, it's like, yeah, I can hear the melodrama. I'm ready to go. This is fucking awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I, I don't remember the score to The Fly that much. The Fly is the only Cronenberg film I've ever seen because my favorite actor is Jeff Goldblum. Oh. But it was hard to get through. That There is some just very very intense body horror um, uh, the hand is the thing that always just messes me up that he just throws up all over the guy's yeah. hand and it just melts away and it's like okay never mind yeah. never yeah. mind <laughs> i watched that um uh on one night when a friend and i did a triple feature of that mm-hmm. becky and don't breathe so three oh wonderful very di- three very different movies but yes three yes great movies so i, I love don't breathe um i think that like I mean, put Fede Alvarez in a box with like just a very simple concept and just the license to make it as gnarly as possible and he will get out of the box. (laughs) He's ready to go. And I'm not a fan of all of his movies, but that's certainly one of them. I enjoyed Don't Breathe quite a bit, yeah. Yeah, are you looking forward to the sequel? (sighs) I don't know, actually. I mean, it's, uh, if, if, if they can figure out a way to you know get get the get the character work going as good as the first one i think that lead actress is just wonderful in that film and she does a great job at giving that film basically most of the personality that it has um if they can keep that character work going certainly absolutely yeah and do you like um the main person who's in it the guy who's even lang yeah even lang's awesome um Stephen Lang is the type of guy who, you know, you see him up on screen. He's like Brad Dorif or, um, or even David Cronenberg. You see that guy up on screen and you're like, I want to work with that guy. As an actor, <laughs> just like, that guy's fucking awesome. He shows up. He has all the gravitas in the world. He brings everything with him. <laughs> yeah, I loved him also in VFW. Yes. Uh, I haven't seen VFW, actually. It was amazing. Heard, I would definitely go watch things. it. Yeah, it's on Shutter. So, mm, okay. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. 
yeah, it's short. I think it's like 90 minutes, but it's intense and there's a lot of violence. So I, I thought about maybe trying to watch, um, green inferno after I was able to sit through VFW, but I don't, I'm not sure if I can get through VFW, uh, green inferno. So, uh, but since you're a body horror fan, are you a fan of the saw movies or Eli Roth's catalog? It's depends. Um, so I think you have to be really careful with body horror. Um, you have to be really careful with most horror in general, um, whenever it comes to tone, because horror like comedy works in a, in a, you know, a set of setups and punchlines or so, especially body horror like that, um, torture porn mainly. Well, body horror can be kind of spread out more, but you know, the Saw films are always building to a specific explosion or hostile is building to a specific explosion of guts and gore and just creepy shit. And um, the one problem I have with any of those films is whenever they can't get a grasp of the tone that they're going for. Um, that's something I actually kind of liked about the Spear, the Spree Brothers um, Jigsaw film is that at least it was tonally consistent. Uh, those later Saw movies kind of got out of that. I, I actually am a fan of the first Saw and I like Saw 2 more than I like Saw 1. Um, I've heard somebody, somebody recently said that to me too. Yeah, it's, I think those first two work really well. I'm typically not a fan of Roth, mainly because I typically don't like mean-spirited horror. Um, I want the I want at least the care the camera to care about the characters a little bit. And Roth really detests everybody he puts on screen. And because he's detestable, that kind of makes sense. Um, <laughs> allegedly detestable, that kind of makes sense. Um, <laughs> I won't I won't quote you on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you say is the scariest movie you've ever seen? Um, you know, I, I would probably go with Shining or Mulholland Drive. I think those are absolutely terrifying films, um, especially the ending of Mulholland Drive just rings you out uh, and has no problem doing so. You know, I, I would probably even go as far to say as Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a wonderful horror film for being scary because, you know, that last 20 minutes of that movie isn't actually all that violent there's not a lot of violence going on in that even in that entire movie but the editing and the sound design and that fucking chainsaw and whatever this whoever the lead actress is screaming just it just assaults God. you and it has no problem assaulting you and um yeah i mean that's it, it makes it that 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 really just wrung me out honestly the last 20 minutes of texas chainsaw <laughs> The last 20 minutes of Texas Chainsaw, I was like, please catch and kill Sally so you shut her up. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> so when you're sitting down randomly whenever and you want to watch a horror movie, whether it's a rewatch or something new, how do you decide what to watch? Um, typically, I will either go on Shudder um, or I'll go to Tubi. I'll go on Tubi and I'll look, just scroll through the Tubi page and pick some cover art that looks fun. Um, you know, you can, you get a lot of those direct to video 
films on Tubi. You know, you got your Brian Usnas and your like weird Takashi Miike, like mid 90s shit and all that fun stuff. And it's like, okay, let's just scroll through here and see what I can find. Um, and so that's what I do. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's where I find horror movies. Uh, I've heard a few people say that Tubi's selection of horror films is better than Shudder's. And I would probably agree with that. Um, it's it's a very, very good, it's a very deep hole of just horror content there. Oh, okay, cool. Let's check it out. Um, what would you recommend if somebody wanted to go watch something on Tubi right now? What should they watch? Right now? Um, you know, I, I'd mentioned one, I've mentioned One Missed Call a lot. I would recommend checking out One Missed Call. I really enjoy that film. Um, it's really well directed by Takashi Miike. You know, his, some of his other films are on there, Gozu and Audition and yeah, totally worth checking out. All right, cool. Um, so besides A Quiet Place, have you ever had any other noteworthy experiences seeing a horror movie in theaters? Well, I mean, it, I think it's really about impact, honestly, like what horror films leave you with a feeling that you have just witnessed something that is monumental. And that's all films. I mean, we get into anybody who does film or looks at films with incredible passion does it because of the vibe. I mean, it, it's the vibes, man. We just, <laughs> we enjoy being there. Um, I had a particularly good experience with uh, with Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria, um, which I think is excellent. Um, I love, love, love that film. I think David Kajganich's script is incredible. Uh, the way that he implements different the different historical elements into the film, I think what's added is wonderful. I think you know some of some of the, some of the artistic flourish could come off as pretentious, but it's it's just such a rich it feels like you're biting into like raw meat or something you know you're just getting everything you're just getting everything you could ever wish for from this gory ass crazy thematically sound horror movie and That's def uh, definitely how i felt well while i was watching it i definitely felt that way i was like what is what else is going to happen uh, do you remember what the last horror movie was that you saw in theaters before the pandemic before the pandemic, last horror movie that I saw, oh, it was Invisible Man. It was right before everything shut down. It was Invisible Man, um, which I think is quite good. Uh, definitely, you know, I, I think some other, I think horror movies covering similar subject matter have probably done it a bit better. I can't get any off the top of my head. It's, it's, it's well done. Um, I, I sometimes find when all's, uh, his his want to be very objective about horror scenes, uh, specifically with upgrade the way that he, the camera like tracks the character very specifically. And then in the Invisible Man, it also happens in the hallway in the hospital whenever he kills all those guards or so, where it's like and it's like tracking very specific. I don't particularly find that style effective, um, but you know I. I'm just glad that there's a filmmaker out there who's willing to take a very specific like sub subsect of visual language and just, you know, kind of explore, just like root around the contours of it and have fun, have fun with it. Um, and Moss, I love Moss in anything. Elizabeth Moss can carry anything. She's so great. I just wish she wasn't a Scientologist. Yes, 
Me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before I get into my last couple of questions, what's coming down the pipeline for you as far as projects and movies in 2021? Well, um, you know, I, I've tried, I'm kind of staying out of things while the pandemic is still going on. Thankfully, we, you know, we have vaccines coming out, which is going to help open things up a little bit. Um, at the moment, I'm working on an, a horror film, um, just writing up a feature, and I'm excited about it. It's, you know, it's, it's something that, yeah, I, I very deeply connect with. Um, and, you know, I, I, it, if you're a screenwriter or a critic or just anybody who writes, you're always just trying to get people to read your writing. You're always just trying to get somebody to connect with the material you've written. So, I mean, that's that's pretty much the goal so far. Just keep showing my work to people, um, especially pieces and this other script called Mosley Mansion, which is which I love, love, love so much. Um, and it's just, yeah, just just keep keep on getting that out to people and hope it connects with people. That's that's the goal. Awesome. Um, okay, so these are my last couple of questions. What movie, what horror movie are you most looking forward to in 2021? You know, I, I'm bad at anticipated lists. Oh, oh, it's easy. Okay. Um, of course, you know, Conjuring 2 is going to be, I mean, not Conjuring 2, what am I saying? A Quiet Place 2 oh, okay. is going, not Conjuring 2, though I like Conjuring 2, um, is going to be one, probably quite good. Um, the critics who did see Quiet Place 2 before everything shut down say, have said it's quite good. And uh, critics who, uh, me being a critic, I kind of, you know, trust have said it was good. So I was like, yes, <laughs> I wanted that to be good. Um, easily the horror film that I'm looking forward to the most is Candyman though. Um, Nia DaCosta, it's, it is Nia DaCosta, right? Who yep. made that one? Um, the original Candyman is one of the finest horror films ever made. It is the pitch perfect example of horror as melodrama, as thematically like sound like thing. Um, what it has to say, like the way that it, the, oh, I mean, I, I can't explain Candyman better than the scene wherever Helen goes into the hallway and she looks outside and they're like starting to burn this thing down and you just hear the bum, 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 whatever the music and it's just fucking awesome and it's just like oh it's just so wholehearted and it just it you can tell that whoever made that movie loves movies um and just loves the audience so are there any horror movies that you love that people generally don't like or do you hold any unpopular horror movie opinions I mean, I came up here and said Moth Diaries is not that bad. Moth <laughs> Diaries is not that bad. Moth Diaries is a good movie. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily hold too many like different opinions on horror movies than people. I wasn't a particular fan of Dr. Sleep. I can say that. Okay. Um, I, people really fell over for that film definitely wasn't a fan of that definitely wasn't a fan of it chapter two really love it chapter one i think that's an excellent film it chapter two just is a disaster why um, it's it's mainly a structure thing um it, it it kind of strands the characters doing nothing in the center of the film for a good hour and then ends terribly like it just is the most laughable thing i've ever seen um, and it, it's really disappointing because there really is 
um, there, there really is a whole ton of great craft in It Chapter One. And It Chapter One is a genuinely great film. Uh, very scary, just fucking terrifying. But uh, Chapter Two just, it, it, it feels like the light version. It feels like somebody kind of, and that, that's, I don't exactly blame the creators. Uh, once you get into the more esoteric weird shit that Stephen King does, you're gonna, you run into some problems. There's a reason why The Shining like doesn't do most of the esoteric weird shit that that book does. Um, but, you know, I, I, I just, I don't think that they quite, quite balanced it out correctly in that second one. Um, if you could remake or reboot one horror movie, which one would it be? Hellraiser. I want to make Hellraiser stuff. I think that more recently, Hellraiser has fallen into kind of torture porn. Um, whenever that initial, like, Clive Barker Hellraiser stuff was really about, like, kind of self-harm and mental illness and shit like that. And I'm like, put me up chief i'm ready to go i'm ready put me on the put me on the bench i'm ready not on the bench get me in the field i'm ready to go i'm ready to fucking write a movie about that and i'm ready to write a hellraiser movie about that <laughs> um, uh but i heard that dave gordon green got the tv series for that which admittedly i'm slightly disappointed in as in i didn't really like his halloween film at all um but you know, I, he he he's a good director who's made some very good good films. Um, I don't think he's made some very good horror films, but uh, like George Washington and Joe, and um, I'm forgetting the other ones. Are yeah, they're all good. Oh, even Pineapple Express. That's a funny movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super curious. Why didn't you like Halloween 2018? I think it's again a screenplay matter. Um, it starts off perfectly fine. Uh, but then once you get into like the resurrection Michael stuff that kind of muddles the second part, uh, it really muddles what it's doing with Jamie Lee Curtis as like a survivor narrative goes, I think. And it, it just just never comes alive. Um, the, a lot of the comedy falls flat for me in it as well. Um, and I mean, it's it's always devastating to see something and you're like, oh, that just doesn't work for me. Uh, especially with horror where it's like, I mean, I, there's no reason to get like angry about it. I just get kind of like sad about it. Like, oh man, that just sucks. Sucks that that just didn't work. Well, I guess we got to move on to the next one. See how that goes. <laughs> maybe you'll which like speaking, Halloween Kills better. Yeah, maybe. Which speaking of the, like the Clive Barker shit, Nightbreed, Nightbreed, fucks, Nightbreed, the director's <laughs> cut. Awesome. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right i'll put it on my on my list <laughs> okay my last question is if you had to spend quarantine with one horror villain who would it be oh no <laughs> i don't want to spend time with any of these people <laughs> i just want to watch them fuck other people up um let's see here um if i would want to spend time with any horror villain who would it be you know, uh, let's go with the vampire woman from uh, Park Chan-wook's Thirst. Why not? Uh, it's a great film, just the, the one of the best vampire films ever made. It stars Song Kang-ho, who's also in Parasite and the host and all that. And there, it's a great, uh, it's a great vampire film that takes some of its story from In Secret. Um, 
And, you know, I would want to spend quarantine with her because, I mean, it's just, she'd probably kill you, but it might be interesting going up to that. Like, okay, why not? At least like, they won't enjoy killing me. Like, have, what, Pinhead would be perfectly fine with enjoying it. And you drag that shit out. I don't want him to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to be that Jesus wept guy hanging from the fucking ceiling. <laughs> oh, well, that's a good answer. I haven't heard of Thirst, but I'm probably not going to watch it because I feel like vampire movies just always, just, they just, they just oh. uh, gross me out because the drinking blood thing, just, I can't do have it. You seen, um, have you seen like uh, Handmaiden, The Handmaiden or um, Lady Vengeance or something nope. like that? The, the, Park Chan-wook has a bit of a lighter edge. He's usually quite a bit funnier than most people um than than like most of the vampire stuff that being said thirst is like very much bodily functions like weird blood and shit going into people's mouths and it, there's like a great scene where this woman she has a pair of scissors and her like husband who she fucking hates is sleeping and she's like going with the pair of scissors right above his mouth and the camera's just going and you're like, oh, don't stab him in the face, please. Ooh, and it's, it's, it's <laughs> sounds brutal. Good stuff. It's good stuff. All right. Well, this was so much fun. I had so much fun talking to you. Thank you for being here. Um, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find me at at S T R O N I C E K on Twitter. That's the best place to find me. And uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed getting to uh, to just kind of you know, get excited about horror films and uh, generally be a fucking weirdo about horror films. <laughs> so um, yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. That's it for this week's episode of Who's There. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Stephen Tronisek and thanks again to Stephen for coming on. I'll link his Twitter in the show notes. He's definitely someone you'll want to keep your eye on. As always, we'd really appreciate it if you could take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to us. Thank you to everyone who's already left us a review. We really appreciate it as it really helps people find us. You can follow us on Twitter at Who's There Pod or on Instagram at Who's There Podcast. Or if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest, shoot us an email at thewhosetherepod at gmail.com. Until next time, stay scary and wear a mask, even if you're vaccinated.